Hey guys, welcome back to Bible Chat. I'm your host, Caleb Sowers, and uh, we're kicking off our Bible study again. Uh, hopefully you've been reading ahead and taking the time to actually dive into it yourselves, but we're finally starting back up again. We're in Mark chapter 2. Before we get started, I just want to take a moment to uh, thank you guys for staying faithful, hanging in there with us, and listening along. And hopefully that you're enjoying the content that we're putting out with the interviews uh, and sort of the um, variety of episodes now uh, with Bible studies, history episodes, interviews, and um just the regular passion project that I've been wanting to do, as well as still leaving the door open for you guys to recommend uh, episodes on different things as well, different topics, different studies, whatever it is. Um, If this show has been a blessing to you, I pray that you would um, like it, share it, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and If you feel so moved, join us on Patreon. Come alongside the ministry and help us sort of broaden the horizon here at Bible Chat. We're looking to add different elements to the show, live streams, videos, a YouTube channel, things like that. But in all honesty, I can't do it alone. And so if you feel led and this show has been a blessing to you, you can find us on Patreon, subscribe to one of the tiers on Patreon, Right now, we're able to give away merch on three of the different tiers on there as just sort of a thank you, and you'll be blessing us as well as helping our ministry grow and reach new listeners. So if we've been a blessing to you, I pray that maybe that would be something that you would consider doing. But for now, let's just dive into the show. Um, we're going to start by reading through the passage. Last uh, last episode, Uh, We finished off Mark chapter 1, and so we're picking up again right at the beginning of Mark chapter 2. And if you're interested in following along with me on um, in your own Bible, whether it's digital or physical, I am reading out of the New American Standard Bible. So let's get started. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be reading through to verse 18. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying, and Jesus seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up immediately, picked up the pallet, and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, there's a lot of interesting things in this passage, but one of the first things that I noticed this time was that Jesus came back into a populated area. If you remember at the end of Mark chapter 1, it says in verse 45, But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. But right at the beginning of chapter 2, then it says, When he came back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. And the first thing that happens is his home gets swamped. He returns to Capernaum, and these huge crowds gather to hear him teach and preach. Jesus was very popular. And it, honestly, it was kind of funny to me, and it struck me this way, so I'm just sharing, that he's still very popular. A lot of people like the idea of Jesus. Christians like the idea of Jesus. But what you see an awful lot is people struggle when you actually start getting into his teachings. And it was the same thing at this time, when Jesus would actually teach certain hard things about not putting anything before him, about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, about uh, the fact that he was going to die um, when he forgives sins. In this passage, people stumble. They like the idea of the things that he was teaching, whether it was that he was a gifted speaker or they liked the stories that he told, or the fact that he was compassionate and kind with people. People were drawn to those things. But then when he started actually digging into the harder things, all of a sudden, people struggled, and it's still that way now. But anyway, he, get, he, he comes to this house, and he starts to teach, and people just swamp him. And this is one of my favorite stories. So we see that the house is so full that people couldn't even all fit inside and there was no way to get to him. But this guy who's been crippled from birth um, has apparently some very cool friends. These four friends who even though they couldn't get to Jesus, they were going to figure out a way. And so they carry him up on the top of the roof. And you have to think of, um, you know, this might seem weird to an extent uh, in our time because we think of peaked roofs where we think of roofs that really aren't that accessible except for by a ladder. But a lot of times these these homes in this Palestinian area or these um these Israeli homes, they had a flat roof on top, and people would actually sit up there all the time. Uh, they were 
accessible by these staircases on the outside of the house. And so these guys, they, they, uh, they carry them up uh, the stairs and up onto the roof and they start to rip the roof apart. And that's what it says. They remove the roof, roof above Jesus. And they, when they dug this opening, they, uh, let him down. They, they lowered him down into the room with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, your, your sins are forgiven. And this is interesting. See a lot of religions and we've talked about, um, uh, on this show, we've talked about uh, Christian science, and we've talked about Mormons, and we've um, sort of hinted at the idea with Jehovah's Witnesses. And a anyway, a lot of a lot of uh, self-proclaimed Christian sects um, try to remove the divinity of Christ. And this passage right here shows that Jesus is divine. Um, if you look, uh, well, he forgives the sin of this man, whatever the sins may have been. And the Pharisees who are there watching and listening to him teach, um, apparently they must have been enjoying his teaching because they didn't have anything bad to say so far. But as soon as he forgives the sins, they think to themselves, you know, nobody can for forgive sins but God. And Jesus doesn't contradict them. If you read it, what does Jesus say? He says, why are you saying this about me in your heart? In your hearts. Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk? So Jesus doesn't say, look, you're, you know, you guys are wrong. You know, I have authority to forgive sins. No, he, he, he doesn't say that. If anything, he he just wants to take it one step further and not only forgive the paralytic's sins, but also heal him and prove that he has the authority to forgive sins. And this means that he is divine. He also, in this passage, uses a name that he gives himself or a title that he gives himself. You'll see three different titles throughout the gospel that Jesus uses. Um, he is the Son of God, which is his divine title, the Son of God. He uses the term Son of David, which is his royal title because he's a descendant of David. And then this is his favorite. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The Son of Man. Um, it is this is a title that you're going to see Jesus use several times throughout the Gospel of Mark. You'll see it in the Gospel of Matthew, Luke, and John. He uses this title. It's Jesus' own title that he gives himself, and he uses it more than any other title. You'll see the Son of Man used over 80 times throughout the Gospels that Jesus uses it. And it's an interesting one because... It, it ties him to his earthly ministry. He refers to himself as the Son of Man, but it's also show, it's hearkening back to a prophecy about him in the Old Testament. And the term actually comes out of Daniel chapter 7, and starting in verse 13, it's verses 13 and 14. And this is what it says, I kept looking in the night visions, 
And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so, when Jesus is using this title, he's pointing back to Daniel chapter 7, to this prophecy about the Messiah. And and it's so blatantly obvious when you look at it now, he's he's saying, hey, hey, you guys knew I was coming. This is, this is me right here. But, you know, obviously we know from reading the Bible and from knowing the stories that people weren't putting all the pieces together. But right here at the very beginning, beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's already showing that the prophetic visions of the Messiah were becoming fulfilled in his earthly ministry. And he's leaving all these hints and these clues and these, and he's flat out saying, hey, it's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm right here. And people won't put the pieces together until after the resurrection. But right here, he uses this title, and it's the first time you're going to see it, and, and there will be many more, but this is what it's hearkening back to, is Daniel chapter 7, and the uh, one of the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And anyway, he forgives the paralytic's sins, and he heals him, and the paralytic gets up, and picks up his bed, and walks out the door, and uh, everybody's just blown away. They're just absolutely blown away. It even says, we have never seen anything like this. And while we're still in the beginning of the gospel, it's important to point out that in both forgiving sin and healing and, you know, casting out demons, you know, healing the blind, the deaf, the mute, and the lame, Jesus is already very blatantly fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah. Just for example, look at one of the more famous prophecies of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 61 and starting in verse 1 and go, 1 and 2 it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And when we get further into the gospel of Mark and further into the ministry of Christ, it just becomes more and more blatant that everything that Jesus is doing is fulfilling these prophecies, starting right here by calling himself the Son of Man and, and having the authority to forgive sins and to heal and to teach with the authority that he has. He's already strongly pointing to this, but as we move further on, we'll see it more and more clearly. Well, in the next portion of scripture, we see Jesus is still calling disciples to ministry. And starting in verse chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, 
It says that he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. And I, I always like this. And Jesus was not a stationary teacher. Uh, he walked around, he talked, he interacted with the crowds. It wasn't just like we have church today, where everybody comes in, and you have your seats, and everybody sits in a designated area, and the pastor, you know, typically is behind a pulpit and teaches in a designated area. No, Jesus liked to walk around. Sure, he would go into the synagogues and teach, and sure, he would come over and kind of have like a Bible study group <laughs> in people's houses and things like that. But a lot of the times that we see him, you know, he, you know, the the Sermon on the Mount, he's he's out and he's on the side of a mountain teaching and, and very often we've already seen that he liked to walk along the seashore and teach while he was walking along and enjoying just being outside and i just think that's a cool element of his ministry that's a little bit different than the way that we think of church and and learning you know spiritually now but anyway so he was walking along the seashore, and all these people were coming to him. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now, Levi um, is not a name that, if you're new to Christianity or if you haven't really studied a lot, it might be one that you don't recognize. But this is Matthew. This is Matthew, the disciple Matthew. And the Bible doesn't really tell us why he gets two different names. Um, it's not like Peter, where it's very clear that Peter and Cephas are uh, changed. Paul and Saul are changed. Um, no, you know, and they kind of address it in the scriptures when he's doing it. But for whatever reason, Matthew is also referred to as Levi, the son of Alphaeus. And uh, he's a tax collector. Now, this is a big deal, and it's going to be one of the main points that the Pharisees attack Jesus on, is the fact that he associates so strongly with tax collectors. Uh, another big one that sticks out when it comes to the tax collectors is Zacchaeus, and we'll learn about him later on, but Zacchaeus was also a tax collector and somebody that Jesus associates with. But it starts here with Matthew and we see it immediately you know one of the cool things that Jesus liked to do is go have dinner with his friends so often you know we'll see him he'll be having dinner with Simon uh the fair the Pharisee and we'll see him have dinner with Mary and Martha and we'll see him have dinner with Zacchaeus and right here he's having dinner with Matthew and um it's, it's kind of a cool thing that he does with them. Is it seems like they'll sit around and they'll eat and they'll study together and he'll teach them. And obviously we think of the Last Supper as yet another time where Jesus is having dinner with his friends and teaching them. But right, right here we start to see the contention between the religious elite in Israel and Jesus. We already kind of bumped when it came to Jesus forgiving sins, 
but now it's going to take on a whole new element. So he's sitting here, and he's having dinner, and there's a lot of people sitting at the table with him, um, people that apparently everyone knew was kind of on the outs, what uh, they were sinners, but also tax collectors, which is like bottom of the pile. And it says that the Pharisees are passing by, and they see him. So he must have been sitting outside. So he's either sitting on the roof, it's possible, or they have sort of an enclosed little courtyard of this house, and they're all sitting outside and eating because it's hot, and there's obviously no way to cool the house, so you eat dinner outside where at least the air is moving, and you can get a little relief from the heat, and they stick their nose in it right away. Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Why? And... You know, a lot of times preachers, teachers, and all that get are really hard on the Pharisees. But giving, giving a little bit of grace here. <laughs> we live in a Western society, and it might be difficult for us to comprehend why this is such a big deal. Why are the Pharisees hating on tax collectors so much? But this was just outright scandalous, especially at this time. Um, when you're eating in a Jewish setting, when you're sitting at a table, this is one of the most intimate, like, expressions of friendship that you could have is actually sharing a meal with people. And you could not, it's hard to understand, but as a Jewish teacher, a religious figure, um, as Jesus was showing himself to be already sitting with people who worked for the Roman government and were Jewish themselves is a betrayal. The, the tax collectors were Jews who decided instead of pushing back against the Roman captors, they decided, you know what, I'm just going to make money off of my own people, and I'm going to work for the Roman government. So they were viewed as traitors, not just of their culture, not just of their heritage, but also of their country, because they were now accepting their place in the Roman order and profiting off of it, off of the hard sweat and work of their fellow Jews. And so they were scum. And so if eating dinner is this intimate expression of friendship, Jesus is now associating himself with traitors. And so it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And so these Pharisees see him doing this and they're like, how can someone who claims to be a religious person who is so learned in the scriptures, who has so much authority, how can he be friends with people who are traitors, who are scum? And they're looking down their nose on him. And, and they don't understand it. And Jesus just addresses it directly. And he says, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call 
sinners. So again, a lot of times when people are preaching or teaching about the Pharisees, they're very quick to slam the Pharisees and to call them hypocrites and to call them hateful and to, to point out everything that they're doing wrong. But here early on in Jesus's ministry, he's not slamming them. He's not even necessarily disagreeing with them. See, the the Pharisees identify the tax collectors as sinners and traitors and scum. And Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 these are great guys. Trust me, these guys are awesome. He doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, no, they're sick. But I've come to heal them. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And how does a doctor heal those who need it unless they are around them. And that's what he's pointing out. And he's like, you guys, you you may have the truth, but unless you're willing to go around people who need it, those people are never going to get it. And so Jesus is breaking the order. And if there's something that I would take home about this, it's that if we're carrying the truth, as Christians, and we know the truth, we have to share it with those that don't have it. We can't expect these conversations to just come up. We can't wait for these perfect moments to speak into a situation. Those things will happen. But more often than not, we have to be willing to have these conversations. We have to be willing to be friends with people, whether or not they're in these perfect, you know, uh, situations. We can't always wait for people to come to us. We should be going to them. See, Jesus showed love for everybody. And he took the initiative in seeking out people who needed the truth. He became friends with people who were lost and he was comfortable in having fellowship with them. He, he was having dinner with people who were sinners. The Bible literally identifies them as tax collectors and sinners. These were bottom of the barrel. But he was showing them love and he was willing to talk to them. Because they were seeking the truth, he was willing to associate with them. Even though their lives weren't perfect. Even though... Everything may have been a little bit messy, even though it could be hard to be around those people. He was willing to do it out of love and to show them the truth. And honestly, we as Christians need to be more like Jesus in that way. Anyway, this is going to do it. We only made it to verse 17. I think in the beginning I said um, we were going to study through to verse 18, but verse 18 actually picks up a whole new uh, storyline or, or trail or whatever in the passage. So we're going to save that for next time. I hope that you enjoyed it. And um, again, you know, hit me up and let me know on Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, or through email. Uh, at BibleChat84 
at gmail.com or biblechatpodcast84 at gmail.com and you'll be able to get a hold of me and let me know what you guys see in the passage. I'm always looking for feedback. If you guys are reading this at home, if you're studying it out at home and something pops out at you, I would love to hear what you guys are seeing. But anyway, you can get a hold of me on any of those platforms. Also, again, please consider partnering with us on Patreon if you would be so generous. If not, we'll still be doing this. We'll still be putting this stuff out. And um, hopefully you guys will still be following along. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Chat Podcast.